0: August 28th, 2017, I got a phone call that had a dramatic impact on my life. Uh, Two days before that, uh, some of you might remember, the city of Houston was devastated by Hurricane Harvey. And the hurricane parked over the city, basically, and just rained and rained and rained and rained. And so the flooding that was happening all over Houston was just unlike anything that they had seen before. And you're getting news pictures of families sitting in the rain on the roof of their house, surrounded by six to nine feet of water people in jet skis going through neighborhoods, just trying to help people. And I got a phone call, a buddy of mine said, hey, I've got a boat and I'm getting a couple of guys together. I I know someone down in Houston, they're still desperate for people to be able to come in and help pull people out of this flood. Do you want to come? And I was like, heck yeah, man, I absolutely want to be a part of this. And so I left, I remember I left our house, we had just been living in Austin for a few months at that time. And um, I left our house like at 11 o'clock at night, ended up driving to Waco, meeting them there. And then we left about three in the morning to head down to Houston. And I'll never forget pulling into Northeast Houston and literally it was like you're driving down the road and then all of a sudden you're looking at a lake. It was just crazy. Like it was hard to wrap your mind around what you were seeing. And, you know, there, there were police officers and firefighters everywhere just directing people with boats to where people needed to get out. And so we found ourselves in this neighborhood launching our boat in the middle of the road. It, we were like laughing and like, just like, where are we? Like, wh- what is happening right now? It's pouring down rain, it's, it's cold, it's windy. And we get in this little boat and we're driving and literally picking people up out of their second story balconies and pulling them into the boat. Like people sitting on their cars just like waiting for someone to come and help them because the water was so deep and pulling them in and, and taking it. And we just did this for hours and hours. But I'll tell you what, what marked me was this neighborhood was maybe the nicest neighborhood I'd ever been in in my life. I'm talking about massive custom homes like the MTV Cribs homes, right? I'm talking about everything nice, so cool. And I remember driving in this boat this little flat flat bottom gator boat driving down the middle of this street and looking to my right and seeing a three car garage that had I'd never even seen this before in someone's house they had a lift in their garage so they could literally put six cars in their garage and it was like a Lamborghini a Maserati an Aston Martin a McLaren a new Corvette, all of them underwater. And I just thought, like, these people built some sort of life, man. Like, they obviously had been very successful. They had gotten enough money together to be able to live in this neighborhood, to build this house, to have all of these cars. They had built an empire By the standard of the world, in all of it, in two days, turned into a pile of soggy junk because they didn't pay attention to where they put the foundation of their house. They built this beautiful cathedral in the wrong place. And when the storm came, when a real challenge came... All that they had built could not stand against it. I don't know about you, but I don't want to realize when it's too late that I spent my life building something that looked great on the outside, but does not have a foundation to withstand the storms of life on the inside. The title of my talk is Foundations Matter. And this is kind of week one in a series of talks we're going to be doing called The Way of Jesus. The reason we're doing this is because we really want to build strong foundations in our lives. In every place where sand has made its way into our foundation, we're praying that over these next few weeks it would be exposed ...in all of us, and only a solid foundation would remain... ...so that no matter what storms come our way, personally or culturally, we will not be moved. If you have a Bible, I want you to jump with me to Matthew 7, verse 21. We find this passage right in the middle of a sermon that Jesus gave at the beginning of his ministry... ...that's commonly referred to as the Sermon on the Mount... And the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus laying out for us, this is what the kingdom of heaven is really like, and this is what our lives should look like in light of that. And in Matthew 7, verse 21, Jesus says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Now, everybody take a deep breath. That's a hard one to hear. That's a toughie, right? That that's a high school Bible reading skip over, <laughs> right? That's a I don't get it. I'm moving past it, right? This is hard. Could bring up a lot of questions when you read a passage of scripture like that. One question be uh, I I thought Jesus was all about love, and <laughs> that does not sound very loving. Get away from me, <laughs> you evil doer. That didn't sound like love. Another question might be like, I thought Jesus was all about grace. And this verse doesn't seem to have any grace in it at all. And these questions that we all have. And it's okay to to read the Bible and go, this is hard. I have questions about this. That's That's not bad. It should drive us into leaning into understanding the truth. And these questions that we all have is in part why we're going to be doing this series over the next couple of weeks, looking at how the tensions of culture can distort our understanding of God and in turn put cracks in the foundation of our faith. And then all of a sudden, right, a Hurricane Harvey flash flood situation comes at you, and if the foundation of your faith, the foundation of what you believe about God, God. The foundation of your understanding of who Almighty God is has been fractured by the blending of what you like about God and what you like about the world. Things will begin to shake. Because the truth is that there is no greater act of love than Jesus leaving heaven. To come to earth, to save the world, to live and to teach what the kingdom of heaven was really like. Being fully man and fully God, surrendering self. To be crucified on a cross, paying the debt of your sin and my sin so that we could be forgiven and restored back to relationship with him. There's no greater love than that. Jesus is Love And Jesus is grace, Ephesians 2, verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. And the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time. Gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts like the rest. We were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it's by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus... In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it's by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not from yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Jesus is love. Jesus is grace. But what Jesus is not is a party trick or a side guy. Are you hear what I'm saying? Jesus said, depart from me. I never knew you. Church, it's not about what you do for God. It's about having a relationship with God. The invitation for us is to know him. And Jesus tells us, I don't care what you've done for me. I care about you knowing me. And then Jesus goes on and says this, Matthew 7, verse 24. Therefore. Now, some of you, you've been with me for a few years. You know, there's an old Baptist preacher buried deep inside of me. And so anytime I'm reading the Bible and I see, therefore, You have to ask yourself the question, what's it there for? You like that? All right, got the dad joke out of the way. Here we go. This therefore is here because Jesus had just made it very, very clear that we can build our life including him. And not ever really know him knowing about him, but not be being transformed by him. And now he's going to lay out for us through the power of a story how we can be those who don't just include him in our lives, but know him and have relationship with him in our lives. And this is what he says, verse 24, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain came down. Harvey shows up. The rain came down. The streams rose. The wind blew. And it beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because its foundation, everybody said foundation, it's found, it had a foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. Same storm shows up, Harvey comes again, rain came down, stream rose, wind blew, beat against the house, but it fell with a great crash. Everybody say foundations matter. Foundations matter. This story that Jesus is telling us gives us a clear foundation strengthening instruction. He makes it very plain. If you hear these words of mine and put them into practice, you are building your life on an unshakable foundation. And that foundation will put you and give you the strength, the hope, the faith, and the grace you need to withstand all that's going to be coming at you. But if you don't, But if you don't and you build your house on the foundation of sand, then you become subjected and affected by the storm that's coming at you. James echoes this in James 1 verse 22. Don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself, do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Now, as I get older, I wish I could look in the mirror and forget what I looked like. But we know this doesn't make any sense, right? That's an impossibility to to actually see a reflection of yourself and then not know what you Look like, but whoever looks intensely, watch this, into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, keeps doing it, keeps coming to it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So here we go Sand Removal Foundation Strengthening Tip Number One. Do you like that title? I literally practiced that four times because it's like it's a bit of a tongue twister. So I'm just going to say it once. We have to be in the Word to hear the Word. We have to be in the Word to hear the Word. Look, there are so many Bible reading tools available these days. So many. You can read the Bible in a year. You can do a focused study. On a book in the Bible, there are studies that you can do to dive deep into the people that are in the Bible. The issue is not resources. The issue is rhythm. It's it's not a resource issue. We have all the resources that we need. The issue is rhythm. Is there a rhythm in your life where you are putting yourself in a place to be a hearer of the word? Look, I'll be the first to tell you, I love listening to sermons and podcasts, and they can be a great place of strengthening and hope for you. But let me just say, TikTok theologians and Instagram prophets are not all you need. You flipping through your phone, hearing somebody give you their thoughts of the day is not the same as you getting in the book. And yeah, it can be a source of encouragement, but it's not a foundation strengthener. And that's why sometimes we find ourselves beat up a little bit by the storms of life because we have misplaced and misunderstood what it means to be a hearer of the word. And we've replaced reading the Bible by listening to other people's thoughts on the Bible and our foundation isn't as strong as what we thought it was. So you have a good idea come at you from culture redefining what grace is, and now you begin to wonder, okay, I wonder what is true, because you don't know what the book says. You're just influenced by other people's thoughts on the book. We have to be in the Word. Let me challenge you to start reading your Bible daily. Can we do that in 2024? Can we read our Bibles daily? Daily, and you're like, man, I don't even know what to do. Let me give you a little phrase. Something old, something new, a psalm, and then you're through. <laughs> something old, something new, a psalm, and then you're through. Come on, man. It doesn't have to be complicated. Now, look, some of you are like me. I can't read a lot at one time of anything, right? It's I start to get all... Funky, and it's like, whoa, this was encouraging, and now I'm discouraged because I can't read, you know? And you're like, idiot, right? Look, here's the thing. It's not about how much you read. It's about what you read getting in you. So if that's one scripture, take a scripture. Meditate on it all day. Chew on it. Think about it. Write it down. Read it all day. That, that is going to do more for you than just checking the box that you read 12 chapters. Because it's not about saying that, it's not, again, it's not that we're doing this to say that we did it. We're doing this because we want to know God. We want to know Him. We want the truth of who He is to get in our veins so that when the storm comes at us, it is, it is running into strength. So when something happens in your life that makes you question, is God really for me? When you know what the Bible says about God and what the Bible says about you, then you can stand up and say, I know he's for me. My circumstances might not look like he's for me, but my circumstances don't define me. And you can stand against it. You can push back on it. Because you know The word of God. Our goal is to get in the Bible and come away strengthened by it. Because the noise of the world we live in, the lies the devil wants us to believe about ourselves and God, the ups and downs of our thoughts and emotions will bring foundation and stability in all of us. But the word of God strengthens us. It strengthens us. Jesus said this in John 8, verse 31. If you hold my teachings, if you hold to my teachings, excuse me, you are really my disciples. It's another toughie. If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. And then you will know the truth. And check this out. The truth will set you Sand removal foundation strengthening tip number one. We have to be in the word. Sand removal foundationing strength. Dang it. <laughs> uh. SSFST2. Sand removal foundation strengthening tip two: we have we are dang it, we are somebody pray for me someone stopped praying start again we are to live our lives in light of the word we're to live our lives in light Again, let's just listen to the words of Jesus. Matthew 7. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains come, the stream rose, the wind blew, beat against the house. It didn't fall because it had a foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears the word and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. Rain came, streams rose, wind blew, beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Jesus is saying that the difference between thriving in a storm and everything crashing in on you in a storm is being a hearer and a doer of the word. A hearer and a doer. Meaning that how we live should reflect what we believe hello how we live should reflect what we believe there is a stability in our faith that comes as we live a lifestyle of our faith I I need to make a confession Can, can I make a confession this morning I love country music the older I get the more I like it Right? When I was young, didn't want to have anything to do with it. Wasn't cool to listen to country music. Now, y'all can have little Nas X. I don't need him. Right? I need George Strait. You know, I need, you know, I need, I need the good 90s country, man. I, there was this no better time. This has nothing to do with the sermon. But I love country music. I was listening to country music the other day. I was driving in my truck. You know, as you do on te- in Texas, right? Driving your truck, listening to country music. And um, this song came on called Need a Favor. And, and, and this, this line in this song speared my heart because it was so real that it made me uncomfortable. Because this is what it says I only talk to God when I need a favor. Isn't that true? We all can find a prayer life when you lost your job. Everybody becomes an intercessor when their kid starts doing drugs. Right? When when we need something, that's when we usually kind of turn up what it means to be with God. And look, let me just say this. God is always there for you. Call out for him in your time of need. He asks us to do it. If you're in a time of need right now, call out to him. Say, Jesus, I need, I need you to rescue me. That's who he is. He's a rescuer. Maybe you've turned away from him and you're here today. Like, you know what? I'm, this is a new year. I'm going I'm to come back to Jesus this year, and you're, and you're calling out to God for the first time in a long time. But the invitation to us from Jesus is an invitation to know him, not just to make requests of him. To know him, to find strength in him, so that we can be unaffected by the storms that happen because the word of God has shaped who we are. And the fruit of the Spirit has impacted how we treat people. Hello. Hello. Just because you know what you believe and you're clear about it doesn't mean you have to be a jerk about it. Am I talking to anybody? Anyone else tired of mean Christians? I'm so tired of them. When I read the fruit of the Spirit, I don't get one mean Christian line. What our life should look like, what should be produced in our life is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self control. There's no jerk in there. I don't see it, I don't see the fruit of jerk. Right? Like, we, we should not be perfect people, but you know what? We should be really kind, gentle, loving, patient, self controlling people. Our lives should look and feel different than people that don't know Jesus. They should. They should look and feel different because we love Jesus. And I've, I've said this many times before, but our behavior has no effect. On how much God loves us, but our behavior does reflect how much we love God. First Peter 2:11 puts it this, this way: "Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles. Listen to that. The description is that we're aliens. We're foreigners. We're exiles. To abstain from the sinful desires which wage war against your soul. We are living for another kingdom. We're being transformed into the image of God. And that image is not the same as the image of the world. So we need to start... To address parts of our lives that don't look like Jesus, like anger and fear, lack of self-control. We need to address those things with the Word of God. We need to use the Word of God as our weapon and as our strength against the things in us that don't reflect Him. So if you're a short-fused person, newsflash, that doesn't have to be who you are. Can I get an amen? If you're angry all the time, guess what? You don't have to be. If you're so judgmental, you judge yourself, guess what? You don't have to be. If you're so compulsive, you have no self-control and you keep finding yourself in the same ditches, in the same predicaments, hating where you end up, guess what? You don't have to end up there. Because the Word of God has been given to us to transform us, not just to inform us. Am I talking to somebody? That there's transformation power in the Word of God and when we begin to get in it and we begin to use it as a weapon against those things in our lives that don't reflect the kingdom of heaven, when we begin to do that, we begin to be transformed into the image of God. So if you're a short-fused person and you just get angry all the time and no one even wants to play Monopoly with you, (laughs) that touched on some people, Christmas. (laughs) Right? Like, And you start feeling that little, ooh, hmm. No, he didn't, right? Like, you start getting that little thing. Come at it with James 1.19. Don't come at it with just like, oh, I hope I don't get mad and blow up. Come at it with the scripture. Have it in your mind. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So now... You're sitting there, and you're letting the Word of God shift how you're experiencing the circumstance that you're in. It might be an infuriating circumstance, but it doesn't have to make you angry. But the Word of God has to be in us. Man, I used to have this one. Look, I was a short-fused person, and some of you would say you still are, J.D. But I used to have this on a little note card in my back pocket. And every time I'd play a board game, drive, walk to class, be in a conversation with Liz. And I'd start feeling this like, oh, I would pull the card out and I would just start reading the scripture over and over again. And guess what happened? After doing that for months, the scripture started coming into my mind. When I started feeling angry. I didn't need the card anymore. Because the word. Had started to become. A part of me. And now the word was responding. For me. And so. What maybe would have been a storm. That would have destroyed a relationship. Or at the very least put strain. On a relationship. All of a sudden didn't. Because the word of God. God in us, and then the Word of God becomes reflected out of us. The heart of God is not that we would be beaten and battered by the sin that's in us, it's that we would see victory. That we would see victory. That we would find strength and grace. Because when we know the truth, the truth sets us free. Amen? Amen. Do me a favor, stand to your feet. Something that we're going to be doing um, throughout this series over the next couple of weeks is that we're going to be providing resources for you. That can be tools and places of a a deeper dive, if you will, into some of the things we're going to be talking about. And today, the resources we have available for you is we have our statement of beliefs as a church. And uh, I would encourage you, grab this, read it, know what we believe, find strength in being a part of a community that believes the Bible is true, amen? Amen. So you can grab one of these when you leave. Also, we have a a book available that that you can buy. It's it's written by a friend of mine, a dear friend of our house, Kendall Laughlin. And it says, Understand the Bible. And it's a great tool to just get you some, some starting rails, if you will, to begin to explore being a person of the Word and not just someone who hears random people's thoughts. Of the word. So, hey, if you want to go deeper in that, grab one of these on your way out. I think we have the QR code. You can scan it and buy the book right then. Um, It's a great tool. And we're going to have stuff like that available to us throughout this whole series. And if you're here today and, and you're like, you know what, JD, I'm in a storm right now, and it feels like my foundation is being tested. And you're coming to a realization like, man, I'm, I'm really affected by this thing. And you're like, I have some sand in my foundation. And I, I want the word of God to strengthen me so that I'm not overwhelmed, so that the world didn't crash down on me. If that's you, we want to pray for you. And even right now, can my leaders just begin to make their way to the front? You know who you are, elders, prayer people, life group mm-hmm. leaders just come on up. And in a minute, we're going to start singing. And as we do, if you need prayer for anything, man, come on up here. These guys are here to love you, to encourage you, to to pray for you, to quote the Bible to you. They're there to, to, to give you strength and hope. And as always, if you're here today and you have never made Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, you've never surrendered your life to him. We'd love to talk to you. We'd love to pray for you. And so as we respond, you can come up and talk to any of these guys that are up here. They'd love to answer your questions and be a part of that moment where you surrender your life to Jesus, the best decision that you'll ever make, joining in relationship with the most loving, gracious, kind, gentle God, the one true God, Jesus. Let's pray, Lord. We love you. We thank you for the strength that you have provided for us. You've made a way for us through the word of God. Lord, we're asking that we would be a people that are hearers and doers of the word. That our lives would reflect the truth that you've called us to. Lord, we pray for courage and strength to do that. And Lord, we pray for fresh grace in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Let's respond.